Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. Take a look at this. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19. We're trying to spend one week in every book, but some of the books have got such important issues in them that we don't move on without looking at it. And this is one of them, blessings and curses. I know blessings and curses are something we've looked at about four times, I think, over the last five or six years. But it's a crucial point that we understand it and we become aware of it at deeper and deeper levels. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19 says this. This is Moses talking. This day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your who? And your children. He's talking about blessing our children and yet he's talking to the parents, if you like, so that you and your children may live. Now turn, if you would, to Galatians. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 14. A New Testament counterpart, verse 13 actually. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. New Testament counterpart to the same type of theme, same scripture. Christ redeemed us, that's us, from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. I just want to lay a foundation by reading those two scriptures. As I say, we have mentioned this subject or covered this subject about four times in, in five years. But, but folks, curses, look at me, curses can still be working in your life. Blessings certainly work in our lives. But curses can still be at work and you not even be aware of it. Maybe you have just accepted your lot. Maybe you think, well, this is how my life should be. This is ordinary. Everybody else seems to have the same problems. And I think it can be, you know, in some cases for the devil, it can be like taking candy off a baby for the devil to leave curses or for us to not do what we should do in order to, 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 to cast these things off, which we have every right to do. Are Christians confused about blessings and curses? You better believe it. You will even hear, you know, mature, inverted commas, you will even hear mature Christians say things like, oh, this sickness has been a real blessing to me, or something like that. Sickness is not a blessing. Sickness is a curse. And you need to be very clear about what is a blessing in your life and what are the effects of the original curse in your life. Okay, now we won't deal with it exhaustively this morning. But to begin with, what is a blessing anyway? Well, when God made Adam, he put him in the Garden of Eden and he blessed him. He gave him dominion. He gave him authority over everything that is on the earth. Now, Adam, the first Adam was the same as the last Adam, Jesus Christ, if you like, in many ways. Jesus, remember when he walked on the earth, if there was a storm, he would say, be still. That's dominion. That's authority. And I believe the first Adam was just like that. The first Adam had authority. He had dominion. He had rule. Now, there was no sickness. There was no storms because there was a firmament around the earth, etc. But that's the kind of power that the first Adam had. And that's the kind of power that he lost. 
when he sinned. And so when Jesus came, he had that power again. Folks, Jesus was saying, you see what I do? This is what you should do. See the power I exude? This is what I had originally intended for Adam. But Adam lost it. So the blessing was that dominion. The blessing was that relationship, that intimacy with God. The blessing was that power. Now, it was all lost when Adam and Eve cooperated with the snake and Satan and all the rest of it. And God's way of getting the blessing back to you, it wasn't quick. You know, God's very seldom quick. He's very slow and he's very fast. But in terms of the blessing... To get the blessing back to you, it all began with a man called Abraham. And God called him out from a worldly place and he set his heart on Abraham. And he said, you know, through you, Abraham, I am going to begin the process of the restoration of the blessing to you. Okay? It's a long story. You've got a Bible that tells you it in great, great detail. But to put it very bluntly and very simply because I think we need to really grab a hold of it. What is a, what is blessed and what is cursed? Well, folks, everything that's not blessed is cursed. That's why we bless our homes. That's why we bless our children. That's why you bless your food. Because when Adam fell, everything was cursed. Every single thing, the trees, the plants, the animals, everything, mankind, When Adam fell, everything was cursed. And the only place on this earth where blessing actually resides or breaks through is the place where God's kingdom, God's word is upheld and obeyed. When someone comes to Christ and obeys him, then and only then, we call that the kingdom of God, then there's a little, you know, aura, if you like, around you that becomes the walking kingdom of God, and you can live, should live, in that blessing. That's your right as a Christian. But unfortunately, the reality that we see can fall so much short of that, of that reality, right? I mean, just look at lives, Christian lives. To, to lesser and greater degrees, this is true. So, think of yourself a moment. Don't answer this out loud. How blessed are you? Are there, are there any evidences of curses at work in your life? Let me, on the top of your notes there, page one, I've got a list of how you can recognize a blessing and how you can recognize a curse. How would I see that? How would I know it? Well, number one, a blessing can be seen through exaltation and a curse can be seen through humiliation. What do I mean by that? Well, I was thinking yesterday, Moses is a good example. Remember, the babies were all being slaughtered. And Moses is hidden in a reed basket down by the riverside. What happened, Moses? Because he was blessed. Moses was exalted. Moses was pulled out, rescued, while all others were murdered. That's blessing. He was rescued, exalted, because the blessing of God was upon him. I have a friend from India. And he lived in the slums in terrible conditions. They were poverty-stricken. He was a Christian. And it just so happened that a friend of mine from Ireland was passing through India, working in her job, and she happened to bump into him. And they kind of fell in love, got married. And, And because of that, he got a visa. He was able to come to the UK. And he was telling me his story. And he was saying, you know, Pastor Mike, if you've got any idea 
of the millions and millions of people like me who have no hope, no future. They will never leave that slum. They will be born, live, and die in that slum. Yet, the blessing of God was with me. And I was exalted, if you like. I was rescued. I was pulled out of that place. Amen. So you can see that and you analyze your own life. The blessing of God is seen in health. And of course, curses can be seen in, in some sicknesses, in, 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 in all sicknesses. But you know what I mean. I don't want you to overestimate that. There's mental and physical illnesses as well. Reproductiveness is a sign of blessing. And that's all through your Bible. Barrenness is seen very in, throughout Scripture. Barrenness is seen as a curse. Prosperity is a sign of blessing. Poverty is a sign of the curse. God's favor on our lives is a sign of blessing. And God's disfavor, a sign of the curse. And I invite you and myself to do a little stock take, if you like, on my life and see to what degree am I accessing, acquiring, living in the blessings of God. Now, sometimes it's very obvious. Sometimes the curse operating in someone's life or the blessing operating in someone's life, it's crystal clear, easy to see, like Moses. But sometimes it's not so obvious. And that's what I want to get at. That's what I want to ask you about this morning. Look at me. Listen, follow closely. Two people, Mr. A and Mr. B. Both lovely people. Both born again. Both Christians. And both blessed by being born into a Christian home. Mr. A has a great family. Mr. B has a great family. Mr. A gets a great education. Mr. B gets a great education. Mr. A finds love. Mr. B finds a wife. Slightly different thing. Mr. A goes on and gets promotion in his job. Mr. B loses his job. Mr. A, his wife produces 10 children and they have 150 grandchildren. <laughs> Mr. B, his wife is barren and dies young. Now, I want you to notice, listen, real careful folks, notice one thing. Neither, they were both good guys, both born again, neither did anything wrong. So what's the story? You see, it may never enter Mr. B, it may never enter his mind to think about his father. He may just accept it as his lot. And he looks at his friend, well, my friend was blessed, but uh, I wasn't. God must just love him maybe more than me. And you get all these mind games that go on. It may never enter your mind if there are blockages or if the blessing of God is not manifest in your life. It may never enter your mind to think back and to start asking yourself some questions about your father, your mother, your grandfather. And even do some research if you need to and find out why is it that others can be blessed and I am not. Why is it I studied more than they did? They got an A and I got a C and I know I worked hard. Why is it within my marriage we never seem to be able to get on and yet I do put input and other people, other husbands, other wives... They do less with their wives, and yet they seem to be happy. Look, folks, the outcome for Mr. A and Mr. B is this. Very important that you get this and remember it for the rest of your life. How do you recognize the curse? Answer, 
some people don't get the benefits for what they do. You see, Mr. A enjoyed all the benefits. He studied, but Mr. B studied too. Mr. A did, you know, all the things he did, but he enjoyed the fruit of his labor. He entered into what God would call, you know, rest or authority on earth. He was blessed. But Mr. B just didn't get that. It wasn't fulfilled in his life. And passivity is his greatest error. When he fails to actually rise up, let the redeemed of the Lord rise up, when he fails to rise up and see this is not right. And of course, a lack of expectation within us, which is why we need to look at these things. You need to stir up expectation for the blessing of God to be manifest in your life. Amen. You can say amen there. You need to stir up expectation for the blessing of God to be manifest in your life. And you need to put on whatever armor you need on and start to fight back until you release that blessing. Simple. Don't be a Mr. B who's a good church-going guy who on the surface of it obeys all the rules. Mr. B doesn't live under the curse because of what he does. Mr. B lives under the curse because of what he doesn't do. Because he doesn't go after the devil. Remember, Isaac... Isaac was blessed man, right? Isaac was one of the most blessed guys in the whole Bible. And yet, the wells were left to him, weren't they? Abraham left him. All the wells were already dug. All the crops were already planted. What happened to the wells? The Philistines came and filled up the wells. In other words, Isaac was blessed, but there was something he had to do. The Philistines were trying to curse his blessing, trying to destroy his blessing. And Isaac had to go to war. And say, no, you don't. Those are my wells and I intend to have them. Passivity, folks. Being too passive and not expecting. Remember all these good and precious promises, Deuteronomy. All these good and precious promises, Moses said, you have seen how not one of them has fallen to the ground. And so it should be with us. Now, turn, if you would, to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31 Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 29. It talks about how the sins of your father, your grandfather, can be visited on on you. Generational sins and generational curses. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 29. In those days, people will no longer say, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. In those days, people will no longer say, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge in various places. I won't go into it in any detail. But God says this, I am the God who visits the sins of the fathers on the children to what? To the third and fourth generation. But I am the God who brings blessing on His children to a thousand generations. You can go back to Abraham, in other words. The blessing of Abraham is yours if you're born again. And all that that does for you is totally available to you. But, my friend, if in your family tree there have been difficulties going back one, two, three generations, you may find to this very day, you, born again, you may find that there are sickness problems, mental health problems, poverty problems, just plain old success problems in life. 
And part of your job as a Christian is to analyze what is causing this. What is causing this blockage in my life? Because I should be experiencing that blessing. Just like you can be blessed because of your father, grandfather, great-grandfather. You surely can. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You can be blessed because of your parentage. Right? But you can also experience some curses. The Bible's cover to cover full of this. Remember Mephibosheth? Mephibosheth is, is nobody, just an anonymous character. And what happens to him? Exalted. Why? Because of his because of his father. Because David loved his father. And David was sitting on his throne with all his blessings, symbolic of Jesus, David. And David's uncomfortable until he's doing good. And David says, is there anyone left that I can bless, in other words? And they bring Mephibosheth in. Fantastic. Mephibosheth lived in blessing because of his father. Think of Solomon. Solomon is the last person in the world that I would have thought would have been blessed. Solomon was the richest man who ever lived. Right? Why? Because of David. Because of his father. So if you think that these things don't matter, you are wrong. You're plain and simply wrong. And you need to think back over your father. I thank God for my parents. They were utterly fantastic. They have been wonderful. And I enjoy the blessing of that. Of that I am in no shadow of any doubt and never have been. It's why I went back to my father when I got saved and got down on my knees. And, and I didn't need to break anything in his life because he was a very good man. And God has blessed me because of that. So you think, and don't tolerate anything that inhibits or, or holds things back that you know is your right as a Christian. Question, where do curses come from then? Anyway, there you are, you're born again, you're a church goer or whatever. Where do churches, uh, where do curses come from? I've given you just a, a very brief list there. You can discuss them in your cell groups, but they can be in your family line, number one, of course. They can come down through that, and that's up to you to find that out. It's up to you to investigate that if anything is, is coming upon you. A generational curse, we call it. Secondly, they can be self-imposed. And you need to ask yourself about the words that you speak and how you speak. Because you can put a curse on yourself, friend, by speaking negatively about yourself. Remember, words carry enormous power. Remember, remember we had an argument once, remember Jeanette, and you, I'll never forget it, I should have written it down. You gave one of your angry speeches. She doesn't give too many, you know. This was, this was a good one, Right? And she turned to me. I can't remember your exact words, but it was about that there. It was about words. Let me paraphrase. I go back into my head here. Something like this. Listen carefully. She said to me, because I can run off at the mouth where she's quiet. Typical men, you know. She's quiet. And I remember she turned to me and she said, you think because I'm quiet that either I don't care or that I don't know what I'm doing. And you're mistaken. What you don't understand is the power of words. But I do. I do. And I will not say this or that or the other. I will be quiet. Because I know the power of words. And it didn't stop there. <laughs> very good. Very good. You know, I wanted to take notes. Could you just go through that one more time? Praise the Lord. Right? What have you said, my friend? 
What have you said about yourself? Jesus said this one day. You, who's that? You. You will have whatever you say. You're going to have it. So you need to watch the words that come out of your mouth. The foolish wife turns her own house down, her own life down with her words. You don't need a hammer. You just need to say it. And these are curses, self-imposed curses that we live with. And they can be like a thundercloud over our lives. Start to speak positive. Amen. Start to find the promises of God and, 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 and speak them out. Quote them. Memorize them. Where do curses come from? Yes, they can be in your family tree. They can be in your family line. And you may go, have to go back and look and see if you need to break anything off your family tree. I'll come to that in a moment. But they can be self-imposed with your words, with your actions, or like Mr. B, with your inactions. Even though Mr. B should have known that he had a war in his hands. He should have known he had fighting to do. But he just didn't do it. Just accept it. And that's what most Christians do. That's the vast majority of the Christian church is not fighting. Because their expectancy levels are so low. They have not believed the promises of God or fought through. Because if you believed in those promises, you would fight through. You would fight through until they were in your hand. And you would not give up. But it's lack of faith that causes people to shy back from these things. Lack of faith, lack of belief. So curses can be in my life or yours. Or affect my life or yours. Jesus set us free from them. There's no need for that. But it is a fact through either family line that I just ignore and think I don't have, have any war like Isaac, just leave the stones. No, Isaac, you've got to get the stones out of the well. Right? Family line, they can be self-imposed or other people. Th third category. Other people can speak a curse. Now, I don't know if you've had any involvement with this satanic movement, this Satanist movement. I haven't, thank God. There was only a little moment in Ireland I was sharing in the Renfrew cell group a couple of weeks ago there about this. When we opened up in Dublin, we were really in, in, in a real hot spot. It was a difficult time for us. Um, it was a very hard part of the city with a lot of trouble. But we were very successful. Many people being saved. An enormous impact was made in the city for the gospel. But guess who came after us? <laughs> the Satanists. Yeah. That's the only time I've ever heard from them. And they really did try to do us damage. They wrote many letters to different people, supposedly from me, but they also wrote to me. And this one day I turn up at the church and there's this letter addressed to me, you know, introducing them. Hi, <laughs> we're the Satanists in Dublin and we are going to shut you down. And I've given you the list there off the, the bottom of your sheet, the top Seven things that Satanists pray to Satan to do. That the Antichrist would appear. That ministers and leaders would fall. That the work of ministers would be destroyed. That Christians would become complacent and not fight back. That Christians would stop fasting and praying. That the gifts of the Holy Spirit would be ignored. Top six things that Satanists pray for. I want you to know that. Why do I want you to know that? So that you can take the list home and you can reverse every single one of those things and send it back. And instead of that becoming a curse, anywhere on this earth, it's a blessing. Amen? Come on, folks. Fight back. Fight back. 
Do you know, I had this guy who was a bit simple once, not quite the full sixpence, you know, in our church. And he, just, he was a little bit bullied in the area in which he lived. And because we were studying the name of Jesus, the power of the name of Jesus, he was coming to class after class. And he went back into his area, which was called Finglas in, in Dublin. And the same guys who were bothering him and bullying him came over to him. Listen, he's now got a new tool, the name of Jesus. And he said the gang were coming and he thought, right, what I've got to do? In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. That's what I'm going to do. So the gang start coming over and God bless him. Graham turned and said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. And the gang, what? What did he say? And they stopped dead and they just kept on walking. And he came and told me, it worked. (laughs) It worked. I, I, I spoke the name of Jesus at them. I want you to, listen, he heard something. He understood that he could use something and then he did it. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to think about your life. And to believe once again in the promises of God. That his promises to you are health and wealth. (gasps) Yes, they are. In this present life. Have you stopped fighting for that? Have you stopped fighting for that? Or are you still fighting? And are you, you know, like your hand stuck to the sword, isn't it? The three fighting men of David. Have you set your forehead like flint to say that you're not coming back without the prize? Or have you given up on it? Others can bless you. And others can curse you. And you need to be aware of it. And you need to, you know, fight back when that happens. That's why, again, we'll come to Friday prayer in a moment. But that's why it's so important, you see. Because I don't care how little faith you've got. You may not have faith. Listen to me. You may not have faith in the thing that you most want. But when you get up on Friday and you pick up the mic with weakness and you pray, God, please do this. Do you know what? Someone in the room will have faith. Someone will hear you and they'll pick it up. Right, Ben? See, different people gifted in different ways. But Friday nights, Ben will often come to me at the end of the meeting and say, who's that prayer? What's that prayer? Got it. And they don't know. They don't know what's happened. They've just prayed a prayer, a weak, feeble prayer with no faith. But the benefit you see of collective prayer is that there will be someone. Remember Cynthia. Cynthia Lim. Some of you will know Cynthia Lim from Singapore. Close friend of ours, worked with us for two years in Dublin every day. And I, we were very close to her. She came here, in fact, for a while. She's a great, great girl. And I, I used to feel very sorry for her because Cynthia would pray when we had our private times and she would pray for a husband. She wanted a husband. She was lonely and she wanted that husband. And we privately <laughs> prayed, myself and Jeanette prayed for her. People can bless you, friend, and people can curse you. And we prayed for her privately, and I sought God. Twist his arm, you know. God, whatever your plan is, please, would you bless Cynthia? She's been so good. When you go, you can't fake the word of God. You've got to hear or you don't hear. Either you've heard or you haven't heard. And years went by, what, three, four years, and I'm over there, across the road, in the other building, like nine o'clock, Sunday morning, when we used to pray before the setup. And I'm standing at the front of the church, and God spoke to me. Beer Roy. Go tell Cynthia. Whoa, got it. I got it. She's got it. 
And I sat Cynthia down. She had no faith. Just about to get married, right? <laughs> she had no faith. And I went to her. I said, God spoke to me this morning. We've been waiting for ages on this. She had no faith. God's heard your cry. She had no faith. God's going to give you that husband. She had no faith. I had faith. You can bless people or you can curse people by what you say about them. You can bless yourself, right? Lift yourself up, encourage yourself, but you can also curse yourself by your own speech. So be careful of these things. And for heaven's sake, folks, don't fall into the trap. Like many Christians I've met saying, oh, this is not a problem to me because I'm, I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. Jesus took every curse on the tree. He broke every curse. And people get a simplistic attitude to curses. All right? It's not that simple. I wish it was that simple. But the fact is, tell Isaac it's that simple. You know what I mean? We have fighting to do. You have fighting to do. And that's what is called warfare, right? And you need to go to war to get your blessing. Go to war and don't come back until you've got it. Right? Turn to Romans chapter 16, just to balance this up. Romans chapter 16 and verse 19. Romans chapter 16 and verse 19. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I am full of joy over you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I am full of joy over you. But I want you to be what? Wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. And I want to just caution you folks. Don't go out of this place and study demons for the rest of your life and curses. Okay? Because I don't think it's helpful. I don't think it's healthy. That's the opposite of what that says. It says to you, be innocent about curses and demons and all that sort of thing. Now, we need to know a certain level, right? We need to know enough so that we can destroy the devil, so that we can keep his work out of our life. We need to know enough about curses so that we can be blessed. Amen. But that doesn't mean, like some people I've met, who spend days and weeks and months studying only the evil. Some people are gifted and their lives, like Peter Horobin, their lives are devoted to one thing, deliverance ministry. Or that, and, and for them, it's okay. For them, they're made for that. But most Christians are not. You need to know enough about blessings and curses to be blessed. That's what you need. You know, the Bible puts this whole thing very simply. It says this, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What does that mean? It means this, Let the redeemed of the Lord say that they are redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say so. Say it. Speak it. Speak out that you're redeemed, that you're blessed. Turn to Galatians. It's the scripture we started with. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 14. In fact, I'll, I'll read from verse 13. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Look at this. Christ redeemed us from the what? From the curse. You've been redeemed from the curse. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is anyone who is hung upon a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through faith. Now folks, it, I mean, it's not rocket science, but it is spiritually perceived. 
And so for many people, it slips through their fingers. If you're redeemed, you need to say so. If you're redeemed and you don't say so, chances are you're going to look and live like someone who isn't. Chances are that there would be more manifestation of the curse list than the blessing list, you understand? If you don't start saying so and speaking it in to your life, you may never see the manifestation of that promise list that we just looked at. If you're redeemed, you need to say so. Tonight, on the flip side of your notes, just turn your notes over. Tonight, we're going to devote the evening meeting to letting you do exactly that. We're going to start at 6.30, and I'm going to invite you to bring, don't lose your piece of paper, please bring it back. And I'm going to invite you to, if you like, draw a line in the sand. Maybe you can think about it this afternoon. And think about what blessings you know you should have inherited. What things should have happened in your life and they have not yet come to pass. Well, I invite you to look at this list and bring it tonight. And we will open up the mic and open up the altar over there. And you come forward and say so. You come forward and you can work. I've given you a list there of just six or eight simple things of how to break a curse in your life. Number one, acknowledge all that Christ has done. That Jesus was punished so that you would be forgiven. That He was wounded that you would be healed. That He became sin so that you would have His righteousness. That He died your death so that you can have His life. That He became poor so that you would become rich. That Jesus took your shame so that you may share His glory. That Jesus took rejection so that you could be accepted amongst the children of God. That Jesus became a curse so that you could live in the blessing. At some point in your life, you're going to have to do what? Say so. Now folks, I've told you a thousand times, I can't help it. If you don't listen to me, not my fault. Remember, meditation is not prayer. Contemplation is not prayer. Study is not prayer. The Bible really, the English Bible misleads us on this one. Because prayer means to? Prayer means to? Cry aloud! The word prayer means to cry out loud. And in the book of Hebrews it says that Jesus was full of loud cries. And you see, when, when, when Scripture tells you to pray, it's not talking about contemplation. It's not talking about meditation. It's talking about you opening your mouth. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, if you're not blessed, and yet you still refuse to humble yourself and say so, then it's not God's fault, and it's not mine. You're going to have to swallow your pride, swallow your fear, and come the same as all your forefathers and stand up in the assembly of God's people and say, do you know what, God? There are some things in my life that should not be there. And in the name of Jesus, I rebuke them. And I claim these promises. I say so. I'm born again. I should prosper. Amen. I should be in health. Amen. And no weapon formed against me should stand. So I will not accept it. And I will say so. And even if, do you know what folks, if you did that, 
even if you lacked faith, as I say, someone in the room probably will have faith and stand by you in prayer. A few things you need to do. Number one, acknowledge to break curses and to release blessings. Acknowledge everything that Christ has done. Confess your faith in Christ and all his work as I've listed there. Repent of any rebellion and sin. Remember, folks, rebellion is not on the outside. Some of the most rebellious people in the church are the most obedient. They never do anything wrong. Because rebellion is not in actions. Rebellion's in the it's in the heart. Rebellion is a hard attitude. And you know, it's a sad thing when you see people struggle with that. You need to rend your heart, not your garments, not your actions. Repent of all sin and rebellion. Number four, claim all uh, forgiveness of sin for yourself. Number five, forgive everyone who sinned against you. And six, remove anything that has contact or, or significance to do with the occult or Satan or the devil from your house. Now, you may not think you've got anything in your home, but you may be surprised. What is it? The devil's a snake. I don't like snakes. Some people keep snakes. I don't want a snake. Heavens above, where's Jim Tran? You're on a holiday, right? I wouldn't, I tell you, I wouldn't let a snake in my house. I'd shoot the thing. And I tell you why. Because it was symbolic of the devil. No problem. God, I mean, I just don't want one. I don't want any symbol. I don't want a dragon on my wall. Because he's called the ancient dragon, that serpent. I don't want any image of anything that represents the devil. Come on. Or a Buddha. You know, a pastor, come and help me in my house. I don't know what's wrong. There's a big fat Buddha sitting there. Come on. Crazy. No good. If you have symbols or anything, that you know, you can laugh, folks. But listen to me. What? Four weeks ago, I was in prayer and I saw one of you. And I won't say who. <laughs> I saw one of you. And I saw an accursed thing in your home. I wasn't even thinking about this. I didn't even know I was going to preach this. But I saw an accursed thing in your home. And I broke the power of that. Because whether you realize it or not, God cares about you and God sees. And He knows what He likes and what He doesn't like. And these things, whether you like it or not, can have power. They can. And they can attract spirits. And you don't know which way's up. You just can't figure out why you're mentally disturbed or why you can't pray. You want to pray. You sit down to pray and you're disturbed or you're distracted. And yet you've got things in your home that you should not have. Right? Accursed things. So for heaven's sake, wise up. Wise up. And pray over your home. Bless your home. Whatever's cursed is everything that's not blessed. Bless your home. Right? Bless your home. Pray over your home. And clear your home of any junk Anything that represents the devil. Number seven, pray and break every curse. We're going to do this tonight and I invite you to come. Please don't pray for too long because everybody needs a chance to pray. Because they're going to pray out loud, right? Pray and break every curse in your family tree that you may know of. If you don't know, get some friends around you and ask them to seek discernment. Or that you may have spoken over yourself. Things that you've said. Repent, folks. Repent. If you're constantly speaking negatively, repent today. Do it today. Or that you know that other people may have spoken over you. And then we'll finish tonight by prophesying in the blessing of Abraham. Everything that's due to us. He redeemed us from the curse of the law so that you would receive that blessing. Amen? We invite the worship team back. Just stay in your seats and just bow your heads one moment. And just stay focused on, on, on what we've just studied. I want to give you just a second...
to think about your life and what manifestations or lack of them you may see. Just consider yourself one moment. Just take one moment. Say, Father God, how much of your blessing is obvious? And is there any sign of the curse of sickness or poverty or ill health or lack of success in any area? Well, in the name of Jesus, would you show me where it comes from and help me to break it, Father God? In Jesus' name, you just take a moment and consider your life. And I advise you to take that list and to go home this afternoon and think it through, pray it through.